All right, Luke chapter 11. Everyone there? All right. You guys ready? All right. Luke chapter 11. So we have been going through an interesting section, specifically the last two Sundays. We've been talking about more of the, the spiritual side of this life that we live. Um, really, we, we live a lot in the physical because it's, it's, it's seen, it's touched, it's tangible. Um, but what the Bible reveals to us is that a lot of what happens in this life is, is spiritual. It's something that is not you know, tangible per se. It's not even sometimes not even visible, right? We can see manifestations of it. We've seen in the Bible where people have been able to actually see the spiritual, right? With Elisha and his servant, where, where uh, the army of God was revealed to him because he was scared about what was happening. And so Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes to the spiritual, and he was able to see what was happening. And so the Bible, again, warns us of all these things. We were discussing the spiritual aspect of this world in the sense that this world is under the sway or the influence of the wicked one, which is in Scripture refers to Satan. Um, it is, he is the prince of the power of this age, of this world. Uh, this world is his dominion. He has the influence he has the power, and a lot of people are swayed by him. And what we talked about is how we as Christians, we have, through the Holy Spirit, the power to overcome him and his temptations, the alluring things that he, he does. Um, but the world doesn't have that. They don't have that power. And so the world is influenced and swayed and blinded to all of what Satan does and and I think if you guys would just read your Bibles a little bit, you would see how bad our world is getting. And you would see some of the things that are just, you know, left is right, up is down, all these things that are, are pretty bad. And so I wanted to encourage you. I've been reading this book. It's called The Invisible War. So anybody like to read? Okay, so like six of you. Um, that's okay. If you don't like to read, reading's good. And I would encourage you, this book is in the bookstore. So after service, if you want to go get this book, I think it's, I don't know how much it costs. Um, but if you go to our bookstore, which is in the lobby, you guys can purchase one of these. And it's, it's super insightful to the spiritual uh, world that we live in. Um, it doesn't replace the Bible, but it takes a lot of scriptures that are scattered through the Bible and, and, and kind of clumps them together in regards to what scripture says about the spiritual, about demons, about witchcraft, about Satan, and it puts it in a really um, easy way to understand. And, and I promise you, your eyes will be open to some things that you've, you've never understood or seen before. Um, so, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like everything's becoming demonic. Like the way that Hollywood and the world is trending, like every single thing, whether it's a movie or a show, a book, uh, trends, a lot of witchcraft, uh, a lot of, um, uh, gosh, I've, I just, the only way I can put it is witchcraft with, you know, the rocks and the stones and the readings and all these different things. A lot of, you know, just bad. So I heard, like, Doctor Strange. How many of you guys saw Doctor Strange, the new one? So I heard a lot of negative things about that. Um, you know, a lot of the things like uh, Stranger Things. So that, I mean, to begin with, that was pretty demonic, but I heard that it's, it's getting even worse in the new season is pretty bad. Um, I remember watching, um, oh gosh, what's that movie, what's that show on Netflix, with, uh, WandaVision? 
right? How many of you guys watched that? So you know how it like started off like in the 60s with black and white, get the first episode? Spoiler, look, I'm just gonna spoil stuff, so you shouldn't even be watching this anyways because it sucks. So we watch it, and progressively through each episode of that, that show specifically, it, it got like more dark and more demonic. Till the very end, you find out, well, I didn't know, like I don't read comics and stuff, so it was all new to me. That obviously she's like the Red Witch or something, and, and it, it's fine. You can correct me on these things, I don't care. Uh, yeah, so the Scarlet Witch, right? I don't, it, it's just super demonic is what I'm trying to get at. Like, if you guys don't see it yourselves already, everything is trending to that, right? A lot of this, this spiritual new age stuff, which leads us away from the truth, right? And there's, there's a lot of even like little cartoon movies that are happening with that, like um, Coco and Soul, all these things that deal with the, the spiritual, but not in the right perspective, not in, in what is truth. And, uh, and a lot of people are being led astray. A lot of people are, are diving and delving into it. And it's, it's a scary thing, guys. Like, it's, it's very real. There's many people in our church who, before they were born again, before they turned to Christ, were into that stuff. And they will tell you how dark and demonic it is. And Scripture warns us. But again, this isn't like a, a time for us to be scared because if we have Christ, we can't be touched. Right? And say, Satan, get behind me. James says if, if, we, um, if we submit to God, what's the promise if we submit to God in regards to the devil? If we submit to God, what happens? He will flee from you. Right? I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. If, if, if we simply submit to God, right, the devil flees from us. Like, he, he can't do anything. So it, there's no reason to be scared, but again, we need to be aware. So that book... It's called The Invisible War. If you guys want to read it, I'd, again, I'd highly encourage you to read it. So Luke chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 27. You guys there? All right, let's pray and then we'll jump in. So Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that you would lead us through your word. Lord, that you would open our eyes, our hearts, our ears to what is truth, to what is light. Lord, that we would not be blinded, that we would not be, um, Lord, distracted by anything. Lord, whether it's something in our heart or even something that somebody walking by the window. Lord, help us to be focused. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and guide us in every way today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter, 20, or <laughs> chapter 11, verse 27. We're going to go through verse 36 this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the entirety of it because we kind of got three different sections that we're reading, but they all tie in together. And if you remember from the previous weeks, one of the things that, that the people got wrong in regards to Jesus when he was doing miracles, right? You remember when he was casting out a demon, a mute demon that didn't speak? And they said, well, we can't do that because typically they thought you had to know the name of the demon to cast out the demon. So if he was capable of doing that, then surely that must not be the power of God, but the power of Satan, Right? So they attributed the power that Jesus had as the Son of God to Satan. And then Jesus, just logically speaking, says, well, why would he do that? Why would he fight against himself? Why would he go against himself? He says a house divided cannot stand. And so they attributed this to Satan. And then it says in verse 16, which is kind of be our segue into this next section, it says, others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. So they're in a sense, they're like, well, well, Prove more, reveal more, show us more signs, wonders, miracles 
that you are the Son of God, right? That you are who you say you are. And again, we've already seen Jesus do so much. And then he's going to reveal to us that, that signs and wonders, they don't, they don't mean much. They don't lead to salvation, right? I mean, they're good and nice, but they don't mean much. And so in verse 27, it says this. It says, And it happened as he, Jesus, spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. And Jesus said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, Jesus began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. And the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a, on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. And so as we kind of go verse by verse through this, we're going to see how this all correlates together, even as with the things that we studied in the previous weeks. But the very first thing that we see happening after Jesus casts out this, this mute demon it says, as he was speaking these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. And so this woman was, in a sense, blown away by the things that she saw Jesus doing. And she, she automatically thought, well, if, if this man is so great, then it must have been this amazing upbringing that he had, right? And attributing his awesomeness, right, to his mother, Right? Well, you know, it's kind of like today when we, when we see somebody, a kid who's respectful, then we must think, well, that mom or that dad must have done something right, right? Because it's, it's the upbringing. And so she attributes this to Mary, right? Mary is the mother of Jesus. She says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. And so she thought, well, his mother must be something special. Was Mary something special? No. No, in a sense, but yes, in a sense. Like, if you think about it, remember, she was this teenage girl who was not married yet, and, and God came to her through an angel and said, look, you're going to conceive, and you're going you're gonna to give birth to, you know, the Son of God, and you will call his name Jesus, you know, and, and she was, was faithful to do that, and that, I mean, that's an amazing thing. She was a very special person, but I agree with Patrick in the sense that she was not so special that she's better than us, that she was perfect, that she was sinless. We know that Mary was a sinner because the Bible tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Jesus is the only sinless man in history, 
man or woman. And so she's not special enough for us to pray to her. She's not special enough for us to worship her. She's not special enough to have you know, her image of her and to worship her and to idolize her. That She's not. Okay? She's not. And, and Jesus, without dishonoring his mother, right? because we know that we're to honor our, our father and our mother, without dishonoring her, tells this lady, yes, like she's special, but do you know what's more special than, than being a blood relative of mine or being my mother? Or even later on in Scripture, he says, you know, what's more special than being my, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, right? The one who has like the in with me, right? More so than that, than, than siblings and blood? He says this. He says more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Right? You would think that anyone who was related to him, who was like almost in the inner circle because they're family, would have this, this specialness and this, this blessing because of that. And Jesus says, no, what's, what's, what's better is those who, and what's better in those who are closer to me Okay? More intimate than my family are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's what brings the intimacy that we need with Jesus, right? Sin separates us, right, from Jesus, right? But he can forgive us of that. He can cleanse us of that. And then what grows us even closer to him is hearing his words and obeying them, you know? And I think a lot of times we miss that because we think, man, I, I, I need this special worship event to, to feel the presence of God, I need to be in a, in a specific place or in a certain position or, or a certain mood, right? Or maybe you're, you're lacking and you're thinking, you know, I just don't feel the presence of God. You know, I, I don't feel close to him. Well, let me ask you this, because Jesus is very specific in this. He says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And I would probably be right 10 out of 10 times if you feel that way. It's probably because you're not hearing the word of God and on top of that, keeping it which means obeying it. And if we don't do that, you're not going to be intimate with God. And that's why you're going to feel you know, lonely and depressed and alone. It's not that God has moved away or he's pushing you away or he doesn't like you. It's you not doing what he's called you to do. He's, he's given us this formula to be intimate with him, and we're trying all these other ways, right? All of our own ways to get there, but it, it just leads us further away from him. So Mary was this, this special lady, but again, she was a sinner. You know, even though she gave birth to the Son of God, she still needed to repent of her sins and believe in what Jesus Christ did, that he died and rose again, right? Because she was a sinner. And so again, Jesus points out the greater and more important connection to him is between those who hear the word of God and keep it. And here's the thing, guys. We are all hearing the word of God today, right? So what's the difference? If, if we don't have that connection with God and yet we're hearing it, why aren't we connected? What well, goes to the second half of that, that command is that we need to hear it and then do what? Keep it, right? To keep it, to obey it. Hearing the word of God is foundational. It's vital. Like You, you cannot have faith without hearing the word of God. You cannot. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by miracles, signs, wonders. Is that right? No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of what? The Word of God. Faith comes by the Word of God. 
by hearing it, right? But there's a next step that is just as crucial as the hearing the word of God. It's just as important. It's actually doing the word of God, obeying it and keeping it. And dude, that's where so many, whether it's your age or parents next door, where we miss it. Because we come in, we hear the word of God, we may even read it throughout the week, but if we don't submit to it, if we don't obey it, it means absolutely nothing. I, we all know that we are saved by grace through faith, right? It's not of works. There's no, nothing I could do of my own self to obtain the grace of God. It's simply through the faith that God gives me through the word of God that I am saved and I am redeemed. And if that is truly so, then my faith is not in vain and it's not isolated, but it's connected to the works that I continue to do. And those works are simply obeying Jesus' commands, right? Because James says this, he says, but be doers of the word in James 1, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. It is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Right? Faith without works is dead. Faith is good. It's necessary. It's what leads us to the grace of God. But we must add works to that faith. You know, the faith must manifest itself through the obedience of the Bible, of, of the oracles of God, of Scripture, of His commands, of His statutes, of everything that He's given us. But again, I mean, if we hear these things today and we don't do anything, it, it means nothing, right? And it's not that we're trying to please God in a sense. Like, we obviously can't please God without faith. Hebrews tells us that. But in a sense, it's, I want, I want to be close to God. I want to be connected to him, right? I want to be closer to him. And there's so much blessing that comes in, in with that. There's, there's so much uh, safety. All the goodness and every, anything of Christ comes with us being connected to him. We see that in John 15 when we abide in him, right? So we must keep the word of God or guard it, observe it, obey it. And it's important that we guard it, that we observe it, that we obey it. Because you know what happens? You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to take it away. He will attack the word of God. He will attack your heart. He will, as Luke chapter 8 says this in verse 12, that the devil will come along and take the word out of your heart. That's what he wants to do. And so we're to, we're to guard it, we're to protect it, we're to keep it. Luke chapter 8, I'll read this to you. Remember Jesus giving the, par the parable of the seed thrown to the wayside and to good soil. And all these four different soils. And it says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and he takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So what's one way that we can, we can protect that without Satan coming and taking it away? Well, it's not just hearing the word of God but it's doing the word of God. Once we start to do it, somehow that, that protects us. It keeps us. But if we just become hearers only, Satan, the devil, has a capability of taking away the word out of our hearts. 
the Bible says, lest we should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. It's so important that we keep the word of God. And there's a blessing and a protection that comes from keeping the word of God, of knowing the word of God and keeping it. Matthew 7 says this in verse 24 through 27. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, okay, again, the word of God, and does them, so you got to hear it and you got to do it. He says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and on the rain, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So the similarity is that everyone hears it, but there's a difference between those who do it after they hear it and those who don't do it, those who disobey. He says, I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So the one that found protection, the one that had a foundation, the one that was saved through the storm, the one that is saved through the attacks of this world and of the enemy, of Satan, of devil, and of all the demonic forces, is those who hear the word of God and submit to it, the ones that obey it. It's so important, guys. And so as he's speaking, we see this happening in verse 29. The crowds were thickly gathered together. And he began to say, he said, this is an evil generation. Do you think that's changed? No. And I'm curious as to why he calls them an evil generation. What, what makes one evil? Is it the immorality? Is it the uh, lack of the disobedience of God? Is it sin? Is it what? I think it, I think it's a combination of all those things. But what Jesus and what's interesting in this specific sec- section is that he says this. This is what he. This is why these are an evil generation. This is an evil evil generation, because he says in verse twenty nine, because it seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Isn't that interesting? The fact that they seek a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. I remember just last week as we were studying this and reading this, they attributed his power to Beelzebub, right? To the, to the ruler of the demons, to the lord of the flies, the lord of the house. And so they, they, they claimed that he was a part of Satan and using his power. But then there was others who tested him, and they sought from him a sign from heaven, right? We saw that in, in verse 16. And it wasn't a matter of them looking for a, a sign to believe, right? They were, they were looking for a reason not to believe. And that was the, the big difference here. And Jesus, as we're going to see as we continue through this section, is that, again, it's not about a sign. It's not about a miracle. It's not about, you know, asking God to, to prove himself in some type of physical manifestation. We don't need him to do that. 
And, and that's, that's, that's tempting God, and the Bible tells us not to tempt God. Jesus tells us that hearing and keeping the word is more important than signs. And in, in a fact, like, that's a sign in and of itself, is the fact that we can hear the word of God and keep it. But what he's going to tell us is that you don't need signs and miracles and fire called down from heaven and, and this and that happening. He says, I am the sign. Believe in me. Right? Not in, you know, casting out demons and turning one fish into 10,000 or, you know, parting the sea or walking on water, whatever it may be. And what, what we see throughout Scripture is that every time those things happen, it never really led to repentance. It never really led to, to them submitting to God. It really just led to them wanting more or then even believing that the power that he had was attributed to something else. And so what really changed men wasn't the signs of, and the wonders that God did, right? It was the power of his word, and it was who he was as the son of God. He is the sign. So Jesus goes on to say this. Again, he says, there's, there's not going to be any sign given to you except one sign, and that's going to be likened unto Jonah the prophet. He says in verse 30, For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Now, I think... All of us know the story of Jonah, right? You guys have seen, you know, the VeggieTales part of it, or you've read Jonah, or you've studied through it, or you've seen something in the sense that you know the story of Jonah, right? Jonah was a prophet of God. Was he a good prophet or a bad prophet? It's kind of in between. No, he's a good prophet, right? But he was a different kind of prophet because he's really the only prophet that really tried to run away and not do what God called him to do, Right? And interestingly enough, too, when he actually did do, after everything transpired, once he did do what God called him to do, he was upset that when he basically preached the gospel and people repented and were getting saved, he was mad that it was happening, right? He's like, I don't want them to be saved. Like, what, what kind of man is God using here, right? But again, it's not about the man, it's about, it's about God. But he happens to use Jonah. Jonah's told by God to go to preach to Nineveh, right? Nineveh was a, a wicked city, with wicked people, and he did not want to go, so he got on a ship, right, to go in the opposite direction, trying to run away. I think this is obviously very relatable in a sense. And God responded to his disobedience by sending a storm. And eventually they figured out it was because of Jonah that this was happening to us, so they tossed him overboard. You guys know the story, right? As he's tossed overboard, he gets swallowed by a fish, and he lives life for three days in this sweet Airbnb, right? Free rent, all the food you can get, sushi, sashimi, fish eggs, all these things, and uh, for three days, right? So for three days, he's in the belly of the fish, is what it's described as. And eventually, the fish vomits him out onto the beach. And I think, obviously, at that point, Jonah probably learned his lesson, right? He's like, I should go and do what God first originally told me to do. So he goes to the people of Nineveh, and he preaches. And he was reluctant, again, to preach, but he did. And it was in this truth of what he said that caused these people to repent, to believe in the Son of God. It wasn't some miraculous thing that Jonah did. And what's interesting enough is, we'll read it in a second, I'm going to read to you what he told them, what he said to them. And, and once we read it, you'll look back at me and you'll be like, what? This wicked, 
evil city who's doing immoral stuff heard this, and by hearing that, they repented? How does that make sense? It would make more sense if Jonah came in all macho and called down fire from heaven and, and, and burnt up the, the king to a crisp and everyone you know, bowed down and worshipped and was like, yes, that's the God I want to worship. But that's not what happened. And we're going to see it because of, of truth that came through what Jonah said. They were cut to the heart like we see in Acts chapter 2 and they, 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 they believed. And it's not by some, it's not by, what does the Bible say? It's not by... Power or might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so many times we try to do things in our own power, in our own might, with our own eloquence, with our own ideas, with our own assumptions of how things should go, and, it's, and it's, it doesn't work. I could sit up here and I could be as eloquent as Stephen Furtick. The guy's amazing in how he says things. He's a genius. But it means absolutely nothing if the Holy Spirit and the power of God is not attached to it and the truth is not attached to it. It means absolutely nothing. And so, again, so many times we try to do things in our own might, in our own power, but Jesus, God says, it's by his Spirit that we accomplish these things. It's by his Spirit that these things happen. It's by his Spirit that Jonah says something so simple, yet it impacts this whole city to repent. They didn't need signs. But Jesus says, I will be likened unto that sign of Jonah, where Jonah was in the belly of the, the fish for three days, I'll be in the belly of the earth for three days. And so that sign that, that, that Jesus is going to show is not some crazy miracle. It's, well, it is a crazy miracle, but it's not some crazy miracle like, you know, walking on water. It's he's going to resurrect from the dead. He's going to come out of the belly of the earth after three days. Jesus himself will be that great sign. And it's Jesus himself that we're to believe in. Not in, the, not in the miracles, not in the wonders, but in Jesus. So again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by seeing signs, wonders, miracles. These things, I think they're good and they're great. Jesus obviously does them, but they're more of an assurance to our faith, right? They're not the foundation or the starting point to our faith. And so verse 31, we see the queen of the south, and I'll get to that Jonah part in a minute. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So the queen of the south is a reference to Queen of Sheba, which comes from 1 Kings chapter 10. You guys can go read that on your own time. But the queen of Sheba, or the queen of the south, came to visit Solomon. And if you remember Solomon, there was something special and unique about him. What was it? He was super wise, right? Wiser than any person on the face of the earth, right? And that's what he asked God for. God said, I'll, you know, I'll give you a gift. And that's what, what he asked for, and God gave it to him. And he was very wise, and so wise that it was spreading throughout the whole earth. And imagine this. For something to spread, like, that far it, in that time meant something. Right? Nowadays, you know, something can happen in two minutes or two minutes ago, and we would all know about it. Right? I mean, that's because we have the technology, but they didn't have that in this time. So his, his stature, his wisdom, it spread. And it came to the queen of Sheba, and she wanted to see it for herself. She wanted to see it for herself. So you know what she did? She traveled. She made the trek. 
And again, this is completely different than the time we live in now too, where we can get somewhere, I can get to you know, another continent across the seas in eight hours, right? That wasn't possible in this time. And so she traveled a great distance just to see if these things were true. And when she met Solomon, she was blown away because she realized and she saw firsthand his wisdom. And she realized it was worth the trip to see this because it's true. And so Jesus is saying that if this woman went to such great lengths to see Solomon and his wisdom, how much more should this generation come to listen and to see Jesus? Because Solomon was a great guy, but he was a created being, and Jesus is the creator of that being. Because Jesus goes on to say in verse 31 that indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So the queen of the south, the men of Nineveh, right? These were not Jews, they were Gentiles. Jesus is speaking to Jews. And they had, as Jesus says, a more open heart to the things that happened in their time through people who weren't even God, but messengers of God. And they responded to them more so than the religious people of Jesus' day. And they were blinded. They did not believe, they did not receive the work of God that was standing right before their eyes. He calls them an evil generation because they seek a sign and God himself was standing right there. God himself was the sign. God was manifest himself as a man. He is the sign. And yet they wanted more, they, or they, were, they didn't see it. And as we're going to see possibly next week, because we're running out of time, in verses 33 through 36, is that Jesus, some people are blind to the light. And it doesn't mean the light's not there. They're just blind to it. Right? It's kind of like, what does a blind man see? Nothing. Nothing. Right? What if the light's turned on? Does he see it? Does that mean the light's not there, or is it there? It's there, but he just doesn't see it. And so we'll talk about that next week. The light is on. Jesus is there. It's not a matter of Jesus shining more brightly or Jesus turning the light on. Sometimes people are just blind. And the reason that we're blind is because of our sin. And we want to be in our sin. And we don't want it exposed because that's the ultimate reason for light. It exposes the darkness. It brings light to the darkness. And so if you don't want it exposed, you will stay blind. And so these people were blind to Jesus being the sign because he was the son of God. And so again, we see the Ninevites, we see the Queen of Sheba accepting messengers of God. These Gentile wicked people accepting messengers of God, but yet here's the Jews who cannot even accept their own, who manifest themselves as God, as a man. And so they rejected God himself. In verse 32, it says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. He's almost like they're going to scoff at the fact that you, you couldn't even believe when God himself was standing in front of you and, and teaching you and performing these signs, miracles, and wonders. Because Jesus did do those, but remember, they tested him in wanting more or proving himself by doing more or different kinds that would be called down from heaven. So in Jonah chapter 3, let's read this really quick. Because I told you you'd be amazed by 
this awesome message that Jonah gives to the people of Nineveh. And you guys are probably like, man, I wish this was like Sunday morning. That's one sentence. In Jonah chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. You guys can read the, the book in your own time. It's not long. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. So the whole fish thing has already transpired. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So Jonah heard it, and he obeyed it. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And then he cried out, and he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, You see the repentance, the remorse that they had from the greatest of them to the least of them. It wasn't about, you know, being fancy with your words and signs and wonders. It's just simple truth brings about so much freedom if we submit to it, right? If if we repent of our sins, and, and we see their repentance coming here because, one, they believed in God, they fasted, and we see them putting on sackcloth, which was a sign of, like, remorse. And so they heard the truth. And through the power of this, the Holy Spirit that, that this was capable of happening, that this evil and wicked city repented of their sins and believed in God. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And again, we look at what, what Peter did in, in Acts chapter 2 when he preached the gospel, just reciting the Old Testament, and the people were cut to the heart, it says. And for any of us that have been born again, we, we, we were drawn to God and we were born again not because of some eloquence of some man or woman sharing the gospel to us. It was the gospel itself. It's the power that's in the gospel in the words of God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit then, through the conviction, through the regeneration, through the renewal, through forgiveness of sins, is that how we then believe in God. It's an amazing thing. So again, he says, the men of Nineveh, the queen of Sheba, or the queen of the south, they're going to judge them, these Gentiles. And Jesus is, is calling them out for these people that they don't believe in him, that they seek the signs and the wonders. And he simply says, if you would just hear the word of God, and if you would obey it, you would know, you would see. But again, when you suppress the truth and unrighteousness, right? And we see this in Romans, and we see this in this generation that, that, is, that is coming up, that we're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness because we don't want to be told that my identity and my pursuit of myself doesn't matter. Because that's the opposite of, of finding myself and, and, and loving myself and, and, and the things that we're being taught and told. At the end of the day, who cares about your pursuit of finding your identity through the things of this world. It means absolutely nothing. It leads to destruction. It leads to blindness. It leads to suppressing the truth through your unrighteousness. So you're going you're to try to find yourself in, in homosexuality or gender or food or you know, whatever, else, whatever else it may be. 
and you're going to think you found the truth. You're going to think you found the light. And Jesus says this, and we'll talk about it next week. He says, therefore, in verse 35, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. How interesting of a way to phrase that. He says, take heed. You know, be careful, be cautious that the light that is in you, he refers to it as light, but he says, be cautious that that light is not darkness. Meaning that there's many, many people who perceive and think they have the light in them, but it's truly darkness, Jesus says. There's only one truth. There's not many truths. There's only one truth. There's only one light. And we know that Satan comes and he disguises himself as the angel of what? Light. But it's a false light. And in reality, Jesus calls it darkness. And so there's many people who are filled with this darkness because they've suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. And Romans continues on and tells us what those unrighteous things are. Right? He says men being with men, women being with women, and then so much more. There's so much unrighteousness. But if I tell you that the things that you love are wrong, well, I don't have to tell you. The Bible tells you. There's one of two responses. You either suppress it because you don't want it being exposed. You don't want to cling to it. You love it. But it's, it's like clinging to death because it destroys you. It kills you. Right? Or if I tell you or the Bible tells you what you're doing is wrong and exposes it and, and the light reveals its disgustingness, you, you can ask God to forgive you. And the Bible tells, you, tells us that he's faithful and he's just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's when the true light is then in us. And then we have this freedom, we have this life, and it's an amazing and beautiful thing. But again, if I love my sin, I'm going to be in darkness. Jesus, the Bible calls us not, actually doesn't call us in darkness, he calls us darkness itself, right? But again, he's faithful and he's just if we simply repent, Right? It's a change of mind, it's a turning away of sin and seeking the forgiveness of God because he is faithful and just, and I'll say that over and over again because it's something that we need to know and believe. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And he will do it. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who maybe struggling with their faith, Lord, who ultimately want a sign or a wonder or something, Lord, to, to prove yourself beyond all the things that you have revealed to us. You tell us that you've, in Romans 1, that you've revealed yourself to us through even just cre- creation. Lord, help us to not be so ignorant and blind to the things of your revelation through the physical, the tangible, but more so through the word of God. Lord, we have heard it. Now it's a matter of if we hear it, do we obey it or do we disobey it? Lord, your word has so much truth. It has so much life. That's the light that we see that we need. Lord, you tell us it's, it's the light unto our, our feet, a lamp unto our path. Lord, it reveals the hidden things of our heart. Lord, you tell us that, or David tells us, how do we, how do we stop sinning? How does a young man cleanse his ways? You can tell us by taking heed of your word, of hearing it, knowing it, and obeying it. And if there's anyone in here who's struggling with sin, if there's anyone in here who is depressed, who feels alone, who feels like you have strayed away, 
Lord, remind them and encourage them to turn to your word and obey it. I know it sounds like such a simple thing, but it's a powerful thing. Lord, we thank you for making it so simple. And we thank you that it's so powerful. Lord, that if we simply submit to you, that the devil flees from us. The power that he has, all the wickedness of him, has nothing on us because we have the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that. So we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.